Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. When you come to Malachi chapter 2, you see the, the Israelites are making a, a fundamental mistake that you and I can make if we're not careful. And that mistake is this, if you get God wrong in your life, everything else is going to be wrong. If you don't understand really who God is, if you get God wrong, everything else is going to be wrong. And so notice so far the, the Jewish people in Malachi's day, they have misunderstood who God is. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, they've questioned the love of God. God says, I love you. And they've said, well, how have you loved us? Just look around at our world right now. We've got economic downturn, inflation's up, there's widespread diseases, there's corruption among the religious leaders, our marriages are falling apart. Lord, how in the world do you love us? And in verses 1 through 5 in chapter 1, God says, I've chosen you to be my people. I have loved you. I've made you a nation and a people. Then later in chapter 1, early parts of chapter 2, they got God wrong in their, their sacrifices, in their worship. Uh, they're bringing animals that were sick, that were lame, that were blind for their sacrifices to the Lord. They're literally also bringing God animals for sacrifice that they have stolen from other people and said, all right, maybe God will take this as a sacrifice. And what they're showing is a heart that's saying, Lord, this is what we think you're really worth. And they got God wrong in that way. And then last week, we looked at a, a passage where it was the Jewish men that were divorcing their wives to go out to marry women that worshiped another God from another country. And they got marriage wrong. And this morning, what you're gonna see here is now they're misunderstanding the justice of God. And when we say God is a fair God and God is a just God all throughout the Bible, sometimes we can misunderstand his justice. And so what you're going to see here as you pick up in verse 17 is them getting the picture of God's justice wrong. Verse 17 says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Malachi is saying, guys, you, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Like, like God is getting exhausted with you is what Malachi says. Parents, do you ever feel that way with your kids? Like you are wearying me. I'm getting exhausted here trying to bring you in correction, trying to take you this one way. And as parents, we can agree with this. Yeah, times we are weary when our kids go astray. But notice verse 17, they say, well, how have we wearied him? How have we wearied God? And Malachi responds by saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and delights them or asking, where is the God of justice? So you understand they're getting God's justice wrong. What's happening here is it's not just a question of, God, are you going to take care of evil? It's not a question of, God, how long are you going to allow sin to endure? You know, there's times in the Old Testament you're going to see in 
the book of Job, David and Psalms, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Solomon and Ecclesiastes say, Lord, how long? How long are you going to allow people to sin against you? You you see these Old Testament authors at times and prophets saying, God, how long are you going to allow evil to exist? Lord, we want you to come back. We want you to do something about this. But the, the part of verse 17 in Malachi's day is different because it's not them praying to the Lord, asking the Lord for an answer, but it's them grumbling out to each other about God. It's them complaining to each other about the Lord. See, essentially in verse 17, what they're accusing God of is this, God's blessing evil. They're saying God's making the evil people prosper. Look at us as his people. We're not prospering, but look at those that do evil. They're getting away with it. They're prospering, and God's allowing that, and God's blessing that. See, they're getting God wrong in his justice. And so God responds. He says, okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let me remind you of my plan. And as Pastor Matt set up this text with that song, we see that there is one coming who will be like a refiner's fire, but he will also be like a consuming fire. So we have to understand the text is pointing us to the coming of Jesus. And Jesus, for some, will be a refining fire in our lives. For others, Jesus will be a consuming fire. And this morning, I'm going to ask you, how do you want to meet Jesus as one that will refine you or one that will consume you in judgment? And so let's look this morning at who is this refiner's fire? Who is like a refiner's fire? Let me just ask that question. We're going to move through the text with, I think, three questions that will hopefully understand who Christ is and what he does in our life. So question one, who's like a refiner's fire? Let's pick up in verse one. Malachi says, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. So I want you to notice God through Malachi is saying that there is one coming like a refiner's fire. You see the identity of three people in verses 1 through 3. And let's look carefully at who these are. In verse 1, you see the words, behold, I. So we've got to stop and say, who is this one? I. Who is this I that the author is talking about? Well, this is God. God is saying, I'm going to send my messenger. We're going to stop right there. Who is the messenger? That's person number two. All right, so God is going to send a messenger. Well, according to Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, that there was going to become a person before Christ who is Elijah-like type person. Malachi 4, 5 is also going to be a prophecy of one to come before Christ who is a forerunner for Christ, one to pave the way before Christ, one that was coming as a prophet to say, now turn and repent for the Messiah is here. 
And so the New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, take Malachi 3.1 and say, that's who Isaiah was talking about. That's who Malachi was talking about in the person and the work of John the Baptist. Because understand this, and we haven't gotten here yet, we'll get, remind you of this in a couple of weeks, is at the end of Malachi, there is silence for 400 years. In the end of Malachi, there's no prophecy for 400 years. There's no word from the Lord for 400 years until John the Baptist comes on the scene. And John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John's ministry and preaching fulfills what Malachi is saying, that a person is coming, a refiner is coming. And John is saying, I'm getting you ready for this. Repent, turn from your sin, and believe in this one who is coming. And then it's one day, as John is baptizing, Jesus comes on the scene, and John the Baptist says, stop everybody and look. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the second person we identify in verse 1 is John the Baptist. But then notice also that God says in verse 1, I'm going to send my messenger. Okay, we're going to apply that to be John the Baptist. But he's also going to send one who is the messenger of the covenant, verse 1 says, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, this messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. And I believe that this person is Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, we see that we have a new covenant. Hebrews 9.15 says this, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who, call, who, those who are called may receive the promise of eternal life. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So it is Christ who says, I'm the messenger of a new covenant. And my covenant is this, that you come to me by faith and you allow me to forgive you of your sin. It's Christ who came to save us. It's Christ who came to purify us so that we would not be consumed in God's judgment for our sin. So it's Christ who's like a refiner's fire, but let's ask this question. Why must Jesus be like a refiner's fire? Right? If it's Christ Malachi's talking about that's coming, who will be like a refiner's fire, then, then why must Jesus be like a refiner's fire? That's question number two. There was a research done, a, a poll in 2021 by a group called Pew Research. And they asked uh, uh, over 2,000 Americans a question of, do you believe there is a heaven? 75% of those 2,000 folks who took the survey said, yes, we believe that there is a heaven. Well, out of that survey, 60% of the 2,000 self-identified themselves as Christians. They were asked this question, do you believe that people who do not believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior will go to heaven? And 60% of people who self-identified as Christians said, yes, we believe that people can go to heaven without believing Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And the question has to be asked of all of us, if heaven is the desired place that we want to be, how then does one get there? Because Jesus says something in Matthew 5 in verse 8. He says, blessed 
are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So Jesus says, okay, you guys want to go to heaven. That's great. We want you in heaven, Christ says. That's what you were created for. You were created always to be with God. But we know that sin separates from a relationship with God. But God loves us and God cares for us and God wants to redeem us and to be with us for all of eternity. But Christ says, here is the entrance point. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, the question then that would come in my mind if I'm listening to those words of Christ is how then is my heart made pure? How then does one make their heart pure? I don't know about you, but I find it a little hard to make my own heart pure. I don't know about you, but I would have trouble trying to figure out if I had reached a level of purity within my heart that would gain me entrance into heaven for all of eternity. Because I don't know about you, but yes, there are good things that I can do, but then there's still bad things that I do. Case in point, this week, I was in the Chick-fil-A drive through line, and I had to repent of my anger because I went through the mobile drive through part of the line. I don't know if you know that now. Chick-fil-A has two, right? The one in Alvin, you have a drive through where you take the order with the person or you have the mobile-only line. If you go to the mobile-only line, you have to use your app and you order on the mobile-only order app part. Now, here's the bonus. If you use the app to order, you get 50 free extra points, right? So there you go. I was not paid by Chick-fil-A to advertise that for you today. But I thought, all right, I'm kind of in a little bit of rush. I want to order. I want those free extra 50 points. So I, you know, put in my app order. You pull up to that. You scan the QR code, and then you're ready to go. Well, you know there's two lanes that merge into one. And so this lady, it's, I'd finished my order, and there was a car in front of me, and I start coming around. Well, well she starts coming, and she's about to hit my truck. And she rolls down her window and yelling at me that it was her turn. And I already had my window down. I said, no, ma'am, I used the mobile order. I was like, back away. And I'm literally doing this out the window. Back away. Because I'm going. It's my turn. And I'm each inching forward and she's inching forward and she's yelling at me. And I got my hand out the window and I'm playing, dear Lord, I hope this lady, I love her, you know, as a, as a person, but if she shows up at our church on Sunday, I'm just really going to, wow. So if you're out there, you're watching online, I'm, I'm publicly repenting. I'm like, back away. She lets me go. I pull up to the window and I know the people at the window because David works there and I go there way too many times probably. And I said, listen, I want to pay for the lady behind me. I said, I got angry, angry at her, and I said, I'm going to pay for her, and will you please instruct her on how to use the drive-thru, if you don't mind? <laughs> and so I paid for a meal, and I pulled away, and I'm driving here to work. It's like, Lord, yeah, I, I had anger in my heart. I, I, that wasn't right. I should just let her go. It wasn't that big of a deal, and I made it a big deal. God, would you forgive me of that? Look, like, I, I don't know about you, but, but that anger that I had to repent of, like, how many more meals at Chick-fil-A do I have to atone for <laughs> to make up for that? Does that make sense? 
So, so if, the, if the entry point into heaven is a pure heart, then how do we have a pure heart knowing that we do things that aren't right? Well, notice God says, I'm bringing one to purify you. And so he's talking about this one that's coming. Verse 2, who can endure the day of his coming? When he stand, who can stand when he appears? So who can be in his presence? And notice this, he's like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. And I believe that verses 3 and 4, it's talking about the first coming of Jesus as Jesus came to his temple, as Jesus set out to purify his people, I believe that still is what's happening in our lives as believers in Christ, that here in verses 3 and 4, Malachi's talking about this first coming of Christ, and notice this work. See, a refiner's fire is used to refine precious metals, gold, silver, copper. When those metals are heated up, they're liquefied. The impurities under heat float to the top. They're skimmed off by the refiner. And once it's completed, then it's free of impurities. A fuller soap is a cleansing agent. This emphasis is on something that has to wash us. And this is the work of Jesus Christ that we read of in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6.11, you can jot that down. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Titus 3.5, you can write that one down. He saved us, not because of, uh, of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. How about 1 John 1, 7 and 9? But we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we would deceive ourselves. The truth is not within us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. It's Christ that refines us, purifies us, cleanses us, gives us that pure heart so that we may see God. But notice, not all are refined. Notice what Malachi is saying, not, not all believe. And look in verse five. We also see this one who is like a refiner's fire is going to come also like a consuming fire. Verse five, then I will draw near to you for judgment. And I believe verse five is pointing us to this return of Christ in that day when Christ returns again. For those that are not believers in Christ, that is a final day of judgment. It's a consuming fire. I will be swift as witnesses against sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, against the, those who oppress the widows and those who oppress the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So we see that as Christ that wants to refine us into his own image, so we may have purity in our hearts, so we may see God. But those that reject Christ, he comes like a consuming fire, swift in his judgment and justice. This morning, how are you going to meet 
Christ? Are you letting him refine you today in the impurities and sin within your heart? Or are you rebelling and rejecting him today? I'm gonna plead with you and encourage you to come to know Christ as a refiner so you don't meet him in his consuming fire. But let's ask the third question for those of us today. What is life like in the refiner's fire? What is it like as believers in Jesus Christ to be refined in Christ in our lives? Verse three, again, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. They'll bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. They will delight in the Lord. What is life like now as in the refiner's fire as believers in Jesus Christ? Let me say it this way. Life for us as Christians, we need to be reminded that there is no painless pathway to heaven. That pathway to heaven is not painless. At times, it is painful for us. That God will allow us to go through things within our life that he will use to refine us. That he will use to, in a a way, bring up those impurities to skim them off. That the Christian life is not always easy. You know, when I share the gospel with people and encourage them to place their faith and trust in Christ, I often remind them of this, that you may come to Christ today and things get harder before they ever get better. But we have to understand and know that this life for us as believers in Jesus Christ is not our best life. For us as believers in Jesus Christ, through all of the trials and all of the struggles that we go through, this is as close to hell as we will ever experience. That as believers in Jesus Christ, our best life is not now. Our best life is to what? It's to come. But for those of you that are not believers in Christ, this is your best life. This This is as close to heaven as you will ever get apart from Jesus Christ. So you and I have to be reminded as believers in Christ, the ultimate goal of our salvation is not our temporary earthly happiness, but to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus so that as John says in 1 John 3, when he appears, we shall be like him when we see him. That means this, God is after your holiness more than he is after your happiness. So there are times God has to refine in you some things and refine in me some things. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, Peter understood this when he wrote these words. In this you rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. James understood this concept. He wrote these words in James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testedness of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul understood it when he wrote Romans 8, 28, 29. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Understand what Paul is saying here in verses 28 and 29 quickly. He's not saying everything that happens to us as believers in Jesus Christ is good. There's a lot of tragedy and hardship that at times we go through. Those things are not good. But what Paul is saying is God can take those moments of pain, take those moments of tragedy. He can refine us. And the good that he is after, Paul says, is not temporary happiness, but it is to be conformed eternally into the image of his son, Christ. That is life in a refiner's fire. That we would allow Christ to come into our lives as our Lord and Savior and say, purify us where we are impure. Make us pure in heart so we may see God. Through this fire, produce in us steadfastness. Produce in us perseverance. In that fire, in those moments of pain and trials, produce in us faith. Help me grow in my steadfastness, in my faith, in my perseverance, in my love for you because I would rather be in the refiner's fire than to meet Jesus in a consuming fire. Make me more and more like your son, Christ, so that Christ may be magnified in my life. In a moment, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper together and we're gonna remember that it was on the night in which Christ was betrayed as he is celebrating the Passover with the disciples. That later that night, he would be betrayed by Judas, arrested. On Friday, he would be crucified. On Sunday, he would rise from the grave. But it is at that Passover meal that Jesus says, when he comes to the bread, take this. This is my body. And every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he says, drink this, this is my blood, and this is the new covenant that I am giving to you, and every time that you drink this, remember me. And Christ tells them that the one day I'm gonna do this with you in my Father's kingdom, that it is Christ Jesus who died on a cross for us, took our sin upon himself, died a physical death, put him in a tomb, and three days later rose again, and is now by the blood of Jesus Christ, just like as he's pointing the disciples back to that first Passover in Egypt, as the blood was put on the doorpost of the Egyptians' home and the wrath of God passed over them, it is Christ that reminds us of the good news of the gospel, that the blood of Jesus applied to our lives, that the consuming fire of God's justice uh, for our sin passes over us. And it goes to Christ. So as we come this morning, we partake in the Lord's Supper in a moment. 
I want us to remember to look back to the cross and to thank Jesus for being that refiner's fire in our lives, that we as believers in Christ don't face the wrath of God, that there is now no condemnation for those that believe in Christ and the Lord. And we ask Christ, refine us. Make us the people you want us to be. Make me the teenager you want me to be. Make me the mom you want me to be. Make me the woman and the man and the father you want me to be. Refine me so that I may magnify you in my life. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say then I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me, amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith and we'd love to connect with you follow up with you and and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org slash connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 1030 a.m. So we hope to see you soon, and we hope you have a great week. God bless.